Welcome to The Real Real Show. This is Casting Nets Podcast. I am one of your hosts. I am Pastor Will Harley. I'm here with the always awesome and kind of kind of looking like uh, he's pretty fancy here with his sweater vest. It is sweater weather, sweater weather, sweater vest weather. This, this is like the best attire that any guy can wear. Is and this is Pastor Rudat. This is, this is the always on, always ready to do ministry, to share Jesus, always ready to talk with anybody, and then forget the person who's driving while he's sitting in a corner, Pastor Rudat. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the last two days we had pastor's conference and we uh, took turns driving down there. And so evidently I was not giving Will hardly enough attention on the way down there. It was not uh, that. It was, it was, I'm waiting for him at the end of the conference oh yeah, that's and right. I'm sitting in the, <laughs> the corner, corner while he's right. talking with people and then walks out not even being sociable. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a neat uh, series that we are starting, Will Harley. It is. It is. I'm excited. Uh, so for those of you who are, are kind of new to the show or just have been listening, go back and, and we've got material for you to just kind of dive into. Um, we did a whole thing on Revelation, which we promised we would do. Um, we've had topics that went from parenting to, to a mental disorder to you name it. We, we've mental health, mental health, which deals with mental disorders. Um, we've done some ministry things, but, uh, uh, now we, we're kind of on this kick where, um, for the benefit of our congregations and for those people who, who maybe don't find value or can, uh, find the value in, um, attending a Bible study live. Or they can't, are not able to. Like I said, yeah, unable to. Um, we are, we're offering kind of a Bible series, a Bible study series that, uh, we're, we're started here. We did Book of Revelation. We're going to continue on with a Bible series now on some very scandalous stories, right? Um, yeah, scandalous stories, the parables of Jesus, which, uh, <clears throat> we're trying to, uh, when story, when things become familiar, you may not, it may not be as abrasive as initially told. And so that's kind of our goal is to try to bring out just how scandalous some of these parables that Jesus taught or the scenarios where Jesus were in and, and he was telling these parables so that as we look at these parables, we see ourselves better and we, maybe we see the scandal within our own heart, yeah. but then we also see our, our Lord and our savior better because that's really what the parables are all about pointing back to Christ for us. Well, and, and I think, you know, just so our, our listeners have kind of a, a basis of where we're going before we even begin. Um, there are 55 parables of Jesus and we are going to not do all 55. We're, we're looking at, at pretty much 12 of them. Um, that doesn't mean that eventually we might not come back and revisit more of them. Um, we certainly may do that. Uh, but, uh, right now we're only going to deal with 12. And actually, uh, one of the, the things that we're going to be following kind of as our, our, to, to plot the course, um, is a book that you can pick up and it's from, uh, 1517 publishing. Um, and that is, it's a book by Daniel Emery Price and Eric Sorensen. Um, and it is called Scandalous Stories, a sort of commentary on parables. And so that's going to be kind of our um, plot. They'll set the course for the the parables that we're going to work on. So I'm kind of excited for that. But but we probably need a disclaimer, especially for today. Yeah. Yeah. We, <laughs> the the title for our podcast is "We Need a Prostitute," and so with that in mind, our disclaimer for today is we. This is actually a very 
maybe perhaps this is a sensitive issue because we're talking about sin and our perception of sin and our perception of people who sin. And as we're doing so, we are going to go where Jesus goes. Can I also interject? Yeah, go ahead. It's not just our perception of sin, but also what our perception of what forgiveness should be. Yeah, exactly. And and the response of forgiveness. I agree with everything. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, Anyway. (laughs) Just Just remember that, everybody. He agrees with everything. (laughs) Hit record. Free (laughs) reign. So as we are speaking today, uh, we are, uh, it might seem like we are um, uh, uh, enjoying this concept of a prostitute uh, talked about in the Bible, and that's not really the case. It is just us trying to get you to see the scandalous nature of what's going on and the the uh, the, the grace of, of God and helping us not to see that as scandalous, but rather awesome, uh, his grace for us. So as we do so, if we say something that is... Uh, uh, that you don't offensive. Want. Offensive. You turned off by. Take a second look at the scriptures uh, with us. Uh, talk to us in person at St. John and Maribel or at Emmanuel and Shirley. You can email us at castingnetspod at gmail dot com. Um, most importantly, remember the scriptures. And this is this is we're just going where the scriptures take us. Yes, everything we say doesn't necessarily uh, isn't necessarily the viewpoints of our churches or our church bodies because we are thinking out loud. So because it's two pastors here, we are opening ourselves up to the scriptures that the, it might teach us and change us and shape us live here on this podcast. And we're also opening us up in a conversation. <coughs> excuse me, uh, between two pastors. This is the beginning of a conversation, not the end. Yeah, I, I think it just it it just comes down to um, being willing to to let the scriptures take you where it's going to go, and be aware it might affect our sensibilities of today. So let's do it. So we've got some um, some parables that we're going to be dealing with. Twelve parables. Um, we start off with with probably a parable that um, isn't so scandalous. Uh, actually, uh, the parable is is found in Luke chapter seven and uh, starts at the the whole occurrence really starts at um, chapter. Or uh, verse thirty six, right? Mm-hmm. The, the the whole occurrence really starts there. But the thing that makes it the 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 thing that makes the parable scandalous is the setting in which Jesus is going to say this parable. So so probably before we begin, we should probably just bring in a little bit of the the parable. Yeah, you want me to read it? Or I let, yeah, can. you can read it. Read the yeah. beginning before the parable there. Uh Verse 36 of chapter 7 of the Gospel of Luke. A certain one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him. Jesus entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Just then, a sinful woman from that town learned that he was reclining at the Pharisee's house. She brought an alabaster jar of perfume, stood behind him near his feet, weeping, and began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she began to wipe them with her hair while also kissing his feet and anointing them with perfume. There you go. So we have <clears throat> kind of uh, an introduction. We're going to have we're going to have some responses that are going to be coming up. But before we hit the responses, we, we kind of want to set the mood and set the scene. <clears throat> One of the things that we probably should first just get and clear the way is um, Jesus. Jesus is 
is known for really going and and eating and and kind of associating with anybody who invites him, right? Um, it, it, coming right out of the box, it doesn't matter if you're uh, what what society would consider a sinner or if um, you were the creme of the creme. I mean, he he kind of if you're if you invite him, he's going to go and and he's going to show up. And just the the nature of going into somebody's house and eating with them, I think we're returning to that where that was an intimate thing. Like it used to be that you invited kid, the neighborhood kids and they all came over and, and you maybe had – this is just my perception. You can correct me if I'm wrong, dear listeners or people who are watching. It used to be that you would go over to people's houses, play cards and things like that, and that's not really – a big thing these days. And so to have somebody come over and invite you into their home and uh, invite you around their table was a big deal. It, it was an expression of, of uh, friendship. It was a, a deep affection of uh, expression of fellowship. And that is definitely the case in Jesus's day that this was a big deal to have invite Jesus into your home and for Jesus to go into that home. Yeah. And, and the people who were invited into those circumstances and who showed up in those circumstances, they are, uh, um, so like if, in the, in this case, if you were, if you were associated with the Pharisees, I mean, you were, you're kind of in this group of people that, um, are set apart, you know? And, and so the people that are around you are going to be ones with a different opinion than maybe the tax collector or, or a different opinion of someone who, who's of a lower standing. And you're going to see this come out, um, in, in what's going on. But, but the scandalous part really comes up, right? In, in this dinner, at some point throughout this dinner, um, as, as Jesus is eating with them, uh, news travels that Jesus is there. News travels that, um, everybody is, is gathered here. <clears throat> and we get this woman, right? She, uh, and we get a couple of, of highlights of who this woman is. Uh, we get an idea of of possibly her profession, which but it's not mentioned. That's that cool thing about this. Is yeah, that it yeah. isn't mentioned like adulteress or a prostitute, but it's just sinful woman. We assume it's a prostitute, but uh, yeah, I, I think it's it's wise that the Holy Spirit has this wide open. Go well, ahead. and 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 it's not just a it's <clears throat> so it, it's a sinful woman from the town or or, or of the town, right? Um, this idea that, that she is, uh, um, a wor- oh. known to be promiscuous. Well, known among the city. <laughs> yeah. Everybody knows. Yeah. Everybody knows. So if you have a certain appetite, she will most likely fulfill it. Maybe for money, maybe not. Right. Well, and, and we get this idea. And, and I think the idea comes not just from the description that the Holy Spirit preserves of, um, a sinful woman coming in, but we're going to get it from, uh, what the Pharisee says. And, and maybe what we should probably do is just read what the Pharisee's reaction is, um, to this woman showing up. Sure. If you'd like. And then we can go back and see what she's kind of doing. Okay. All right. So that, that would be in verse 39. Then the Pharisee who had invited him saw this. He said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would realize who is touching him. And what kind of woman she is, because she is a sinner. Yeah. So <clears throat> the the Pharisee gives us a, a probably a better indication of um, who this woman is by by telling us she is she is unique in the sense of everybody around town knows the type of profession she's doing, and she's a well known sinner. Um, in in the in 
now we're, we're going to call her a prostitute. We're going to call her a woman of the night. Um, imagine the things that are kind of wrapped up into that, right? Um, what is the Pharisee? The Pharisee is acknowledging, um, she's one that holds the secrets of many a man who walks in the day, but buys her silence at night, right? So that they could have their desires lived out. Um, their, her, her lips have probably been in places that no one would ever uh, say were healthy and good um, and, and definitely not praiseworthy. And yet there they are kissing the feet of this, what the Pharisee would say, this prophet, right? Um, and, and so this begins to raise into um, Simon the Pharisee's mind that Jesus isn't who he says he is, because if he was God, how could how could he allow this? If he is the prophet that he says he is, how could he allow this woman who's holding all of these secrets of all of these men, um, all of these secrets of where where her lips have been, her hands have been, um, allow that to touch himself? We have a, a modern day example of this with uh, Jeffrey Epstein and his uh, is it wife, Gazelle Maxwell. Is that her name? Giselle, yeah. Yeah. And so, and if you're paying attention to the news, that was a big thing. Like he's going to out all these uh, um, politicians and all of these people who, and he did for some, like uh, Prince Andrew over there in England. So it is, imagine that is, to me, it reminds us that what's going on in 2022 happened in you know 32 in with jesus and this woman and uh, the scandalous nature of her arrival at this pharisee's home and um how this upset everyone in that room why she was there what she was doing what secrets does she know and and uh why is why is he so offensive why is he so offended by her presence being there you know Perhaps he's also thinking of his other guests. Maybe they are participating in, in what she has to offer. Maybe they've used her in the past. And so that's the part where the scripture doesn't say that he's trying to protect everybody there. But I can see that from a human standpoint that he'd be like, I got to get this woman out of here because she's going to out these other people who are supposed to be, you know, the, the outstanding members of the community. These are the people that I invited in the home that I wanted to, to share Jesus with or have this rabbi or whatever reason why the Pharisee has Jesus in that midst where it's all clean and nice and, um, perfect and the appearances look great. Right. And here this woman comes in and upsets the apple cart. Now all of a sudden she's, uh, revealing to them, not only the reality of her her past, but also perhaps the reality of the past of those who are there. Well, and and if you think about it, I mean, this is his home, right? This is, and and maybe I'm overthinking it, but I I my mind goes in two different ways. One goes into the way that you are you are kind of taking it. Where is it possible that some of the other people invited know who she is, and because they know who she is. They kind of don't stop her because they're afraid she might say something to oust them. Or is this a setup where, where, where Simon is allowing this to happen to see what Jesus is going to do to gauge how holy he really is? You know what I mean? That, that, that you see, cause I mean, if this is your house. I don't know about you, but people just don't walk into my house. 
Um, especially if you have a, a celebration, you, you, you probably have some people who are watching the door. You probably have people who are, are servants or whatever else who are managing some of these things. Um, and, but yet to have someone come in and make it to the, the, the person who's the guest of honor, um, really kind of adds maybe a little bit more of a scandal to the whole entire thing. Not only is she a woman of the night, not only is, are we having some of this connection here, but, but is there something else that's being pushed forward as a laying in wait, right? Um, either they, out of their own shame because they did take a, or because they want to see what Jesus is going to do. Right. And it's, isn't just a scandalous of her presence, but what she does, um, the purchasing of the alabaster jar of perfume, where did that money come from? Um, from her profession, from the things that she did, that those are questions. I would say that, yes. Yeah. <laughs> those, um, it, it isn't answered in the scripture, but it's assumed you kind of know where this jar comes from is from her because she is who she is, uh, that she is well provided for. So perhaps that's a statement to her abilities as well. But the fact that now she is uh, using this employ of in the employ of service to her Lord is a significant point, which we will have to bring up later. Well, and I think that's where we're headed because because Jesus is Jesus. I think is is really setting up um, and and recognizing what's going on around him um, in his uh, ability divinely to be omniscient. Right? He he knows what's going on, and he knows what's going on in the woman and he knows what's going on in the heart of Simon. And so he's going to, he's going to confront it all and he does it in a beautiful, beautiful way. Um, so, so let's maybe jump on into We're, we're picking up on 40, right? Um, Jesus response to, to Simon. Yep. All right. You want to read it or do you want me to? Oh, I can try to read it here from the side. Uh, Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. And he said, that is Simon said, teacher, say it. A certain money lender had two debtors, the one who owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they could not pay, he forgave them both. So which of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one who had the larger debt forgiven. Then he told him, you have judged correctly. Probably pause right there just to talk about the, this, that's the parable. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Woo, so scandalous, right? (laughs) Um, but it is scandalous when you put it into the framework of where it's found. Um, so, and, and notice Simon's, Simon's, uh, previous response oh i how can he be a prophet how can he be if you only if you knew the woman right um but then when jesus confronts him and says i have something to tell you he's instantly like oh yeah tell me teacher <laughs> yeah let's put on, let the show right let's put on the face the, the 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 good face that says um this is i i'm putting on i'm i'm being respectable i'm not going to try to start a a, a fight uh, but jesus does Jesus, Jesus is, is not going to pull any punches here. And, and I think he, in the probably one of the, the greatest parables on, um, grace and forgiveness smacks Simon with the law in, in such a way, um, that, uh, it's just dumbfounding how, how he really nails it right on the head and, and he nails both. 
with with this beautiful beautiful parable. Yeah, five hundred denarii denarii is a day's wages, right? Yeah. So five hundred dollars, five hundred days wages, whatever that is, and fifty. Um, the guy forgave them both. Uh, why? Why would he forgive them both? Because that's who he is. Yeah. Not because of anything. Not that because one person is has done anything to deserve it. The guy just forgave him. Yeah. So, you get that idea when he says they could not pay. Didn't yeah. matter how much it was. They just couldn't pay. Mm-hmm. And because, and then he asked the question, which is the, the, this is the condemning part, right? So which loved him more? And, and you have, well, it, it's an obvious answer, right? Of course you're going to want the. Right. That's walking the, right into the trap. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, That's yeah. what I like about Jesus is that he's always he's, he doesn't mince words he doesn't just uh, beat around the bush he lets you condemn yourself <laughs> he lets you condemn yourself it's always a good way to go <laughs> <laughs> so and, Simon and I like I just just before we move on I love how Simon answers I suppose, I suppose. <laughs> so if I have to answer this <laughs> it's like the high school kids yeah I suppose this is it and. Yeah. Okay, anyway, Simon answered, this is verse 43. Simon answered, I suppose the one who had the larger debt forgiven. Then he told him, you have judged correctly. Turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house, but you did not give me water for my feet, yet she has not. She has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but she, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with perfume. Therefore, I tell you, her her sins have been forgiven. This is why she loved so much. But the one who has forgiven little loves little. There you go. There's there's <clears throat> the there's Jesus saying, "Oh, I was watching. I was paying attention." Simon, uh, whatever reason. Well, obviously, Jesus identifies the reason. He doesn't love Jesus. So he doesn't have the respect. So all of these things, which would be full pause, this would be like, these are the things you need to do. You need to have uh, uh, some place to, to, to wash people's feet because they're coming in from the outside and to not provide that, to not provide a way for, for Jesus to wash his feet was very rude. Uh, yeah. The fact that he didn't greet Jesus when he entered into his home, very rude. Um, the fact that he didn't offer oil, um, which was a, a typical thing to to help release the the heat of the day or the balm for someone who might have been out in the heat of the day, <clears throat> which was a, just a common courtesy, um, wasn't even being addressed. Um, and then you have the wastefulness, right? He he just Jesus Jesus highlights what what would be considered utter and, and foolish wastefulness of the lady. Yeah. <laughs> In contrast, you wouldn't even you wouldn't even give this to me for for following basic customs and good things in life. You wouldn't even give me a chance to wash my hands, and and she is wasting her tears and her hair and her perfume on my feet. Yeah, and just uh, take a step back and realize that those are dirty feet because they weren't washed, and she's kissing them. I mean, yeah. just a magnitude. Well, they were washed her, with her tears. Yeah, and they were washed with her tears. Another. <laughs> How many tears does she have to generate in order for the, for that to be washed off? I, she definitely does not. Uh, there's a comment here. She definitely did not take what Jesus did for her for granted. This was something that was very precious to her. Yeah, uh, um, but I but I think that 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 what we see here is as Jesus explains this parable, right? And he he really puts it into the modern perspective. Um, brings a question that that maybe we should ask our listeners, and and the question that is. Do you see these attitudes in the church? 
is, is, is the Lord giving us a real example here that we can take home and say, I, this is, this is the example I have in my own life in the church. I see this. Um, people who don't think they're in need of forgiveness or had a lot forgiven and those who have, and, and how do we see that in the church? I, I think that's a legitimate question. So what do you if, think if, listeners? If you'd like to ask, yeah. I mean, give us your, your thoughts. Yeah. Um, I see also uh, yesterday we had confirmation class. We we're talking about forgiveness while we're waiting for your answers. We, had, we were talking about forgiveness and, <clears throat> and mercy. What is, what is mercy and why does God show mercy towards us? And God, mercy always needs a cause and needs our sin. And God shows compassion to us by being merciful, by forgiving us of our sins through Jesus Christ and what he has done. And one of the confirmation students was thinking about this and said to, to me, it has a really good question. She said, how come God didn't show mercy to Jesus on the cross? How come there was no compassion? And <clears throat> and I said, because all of God's justice needs to sit on Jesus so that all of his mercy and compassion can sit on us. And she's like, oh. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it makes you appreciate what Jesus did, doesn't it? And and um, that's the cool part about God's word where it brings us to a point that this woman was at of understanding the depth of her need for forgiveness and the depth of God's compassion and mercy towards her. Uh, Will and I, we were talking about this on the way back, on the way, on the way back from pastor's conference. And it, it does seem like because of how Jesus speaks about her, that she uh, loves a lot because she was forgiven a lot, that there was some sort of interaction between God and her or between Jesus and her before this event, because otherwise she wouldn't um, have done what she did if she didn't feel the enormity of the forgiveness that Jesus had given her. And he's going to um, announce his forgiveness to her, which we didn't read yet in verse 48, but I think that wasn't for her. That was for everybody else. Well, and I also think it, and we can talk about it, and and I will, but I do think it was for her as well. I, I, coming back, we do have a, a, a beautiful comment in answer to the question, and that is, I see I see them both in myself. Um and that is, I think, profound. <clears throat> Luther at one point, uh, Martin Luther um, of the Lutheran Church uh, during the Reformation, one time had said, you know, one of the greatest blessings God ever gives to us is the reality that he does not allow us to understand the depth of our depravity. And that was a paraphrase, but um, it, it is so true, right, that, that, that God in his mercy, which is not giving us what we deserve— <laughs> doesn't always let us see the total depravity to which we deserve his wrath and his punishment. Um, unfortunately, what we have done in, in its place is we've taken the actions that, that tempt us, the bad things in life that our hearts would lust after. And in our attempt to, to not do them, right? We've made those the, 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 the works that we throw back at God and say, see, I, I'm better than because I wasn't tempted for. Um, and so it seems as if I have little to be forgiven because I have fought so hard, um, to not do those horrible things. And, and what we have here is the same occurrences like we would have with, um, with the Pharisee and the tax collector, uh, and, the, and that parable, which is you have one who, who truly thinks, look at all the things I have done. Look at all the things that I can put to my account. Look at all the things. Now I'm not perfect. I haven't done everything right, but far better. And then you have a woman who just has been brought completely low and, 
recognizes I have no excuse. Um, and, and I, I think that that really says something about the woman because she doesn't come into this with names on her lips of all the people that she has committed these sins with. She doesn't come in with a confession of all of the actions. At least that I'm she, better than these people. Yeah. Or, or just, or just coming in with the confession of here are all the bad things that I have done. Lord, I'm late. I'm placing you at, at these at your feet. She, she just comes in with the reaction of what forgiveness truly has bring, uh, has brought. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and what forgiveness truly brought was a changed heart love that just outpours and what was done is done is gone. And now there's this, and there's this, this, this reaction I must give to God, um, my savior. Yeah. And, uh, this is the, uh, uh, um, a beautiful statement that Jesus accepts her gifts of the perfume and of, of her hair. You know, you think of the hair as something, something, maybe it's something she had used to woo guys. Well, now she's using it in the service of, of, of our Lord. Um, and he accepts all those things, just like God accepts the, the effort that we do, even though it's, it's paltry compared to what he has given to us. It, it, it doesn't in any way compare to the great gift he gives us in the forgiveness of sins. But yet God says, here, thank you. You know, thank you for, for, for your service. Uh oh. Computer cancel. Yeah, that's my Alexa. <laughs> Somehow I, I reprogrammed my Alexa to say something else. And now I'm, I'm now, because <laughs> I've said the word, uh, now you're, everyone else's Alexas are, <laughs> are being activated. Um, so, uh, train of thought. Yeah, it is, uh, amazing how Jesus, uh, accepts the gifts that she has to offer and how he accepts our gifts as well. But I think also equally amazing in this whole entire thing is, is how the, Stay, taking a step back, uh, we had discussed a book called The Lowry Loop, right? Mm-hmm. Where, where, where we kind of set up our messages with, uh, getting comfortable with, Hey, I get it. This is good. I get it. Yeah. I'm, I'm right there with you. Yeah. We're going to lambast those evil sinners. Um, and then you sort of see this happening with Jesus, right? He's, he's leading Simon on. He's leading. Do you, do you think that when, and, and this is another question for our listeners, right? Do you think, um, that when Jesus says which one loved, <laughs> uh, which one loved more, that the Pharisee Simon didn't know where this was going? Or, or do you think that he already had thought and connected the dots that, that he kind of walked into this one? I think we have to keep reading in order to answer that question. Well, I think he already gave his answer, right? I suppose. In 43, you see that, I mean, Jesus doesn't explain the depth of what his answer is and, and the true, I mean, that comes, but, but I think, I think we have the answer. Well, that's why I'm, I'm thinking of verse 49, not verse 43. So why don't we read that? All right. So, uh, verse 47, just to bring us up to that point. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. That is why she loves so much. But the one who has been forgiven little loves little. But Jesus said to her, your sins have been forgiven. Then those reclining at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? He said, he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. There you go. So, so what do you have? You, you, you have a couple of things that are going on. You have a conversation that Jesus is having 
with Simon as he's looking at the woman, you have the acknowledgement that the woman has already been forgiven, and this is a reaction to that forgiveness. And then he announces it again. He announces it again. <laughs> yeah, because um, I, I know I said before oh, he, he was doing it for the benefit of those in the people, but I, I appreciate what you you corrected because that's what the scripture says. Jesus said to her, so he's he is he is saying it to them because they respond, but he is also speaking to her. Your sins have been forgiven, just like God does it all the time. You have your confession and absolution in the beginning of the worship service. You have pastors saying this more than once. Your sins are forgiven. Uh, um, maybe you, you have it in the sermon. Maybe you even have it in the prayer afterwards. This is a blessing, obviously. There's all of these times where God just reassures us that our sins are indeed forgiven, that we are, our, our debt has been paid. Well, and, and I think if you, you put it in the perspective of what's going on, you, you have this woman who, who knows her reputation. Right, you have a woman who, who recognizes she may be in the midst of people who are still going to condemn her because of who she is, or in the midst of people she also participated in this with, and are still deathly afraid of of her opening up her mouth. Um, you, you, whatever the case may be, you, you have this woman who, who although you have the outpouring of of um, a forgiven heart being seen, still worries still might be thinking in the back of her head, did God really do this for me? Is this really mine? Um, I feel so embarrassed, <laughs> right? Um, they're still talking about me as if I'm not here, um, and I'm still being condemned by those people who should be pronouncing forgiveness to me um, because that's what Simon should have been doing, um, and he wasn't. And so what happens? We get we get Christ who looks at her and says, "Your sins have been forgiven." You know what? What in my life, I, I look at that and I and I'm assured of sins forgiven in the waters of baptism. Um, as a child, my parents brought me to the font, and and there in word and sacrament, my my sins were washed away, and and I am forgiven. And and I read in the word, right? I read in the word. And I gather around the word every day, um, for study for both professional and, and private life. And I hear those words, I'm forgiven every day. And, and then I come in front of, of a congregation of people. And this is just in the professional life. And I, I get it, but I come in front of a congregation of people and I get to pronounce that forgiveness to them. And I talk about the law and I talk about how we are all sinners and, and I'm one of them. And yet I'm forgiven because Christ has said these words to me. And, and after I'm done, I'm like, I'm a sham, <laughs> right? Uh, everything I've just told them, I don't, I don't have that confidence in myself. I don't have that confidence in my own heart. I don't have that confidence in, 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 in just hearing those words. And then like this Sunday, we get a chance. Christ looks at me through, through the means of grace in, in the Lord's Supper. And, and he will come to me personally and he will give to me, not just, not just broadly. Like, did he really mean me while I'm sitting in the, he will come to me and he will give me his body and he will give me his blood and he will say, you're forgiven. Your, your sins are gone. And, and I think there's something so profound in that, that, that Jesus mentions it already. Even when he's talking to Simon, he's mentioning it already and she's hearing these things and then he, and then he stops talking to Simon, who is probably the most influential person in the room other than Christ himself. And, and Christ totally completely focuses on the least and he says, your sins are forgiven. They Go have, in peace. They have yeah. been forgiven. 
Um, and, and you don't need to do this anymore. How awesome is that? I think I need a prostitute, right? <laughs> Just the I, example of the prostitute so that we see Christ better because he, I, he yeah. the love of the least is the yeah, love. I, I don't us. need to participate, with <laughs> I, but I'm saying I, I, I need a prostitute to remind me that, that if my savior forgives the depths of her sin or his sin, whichever kind, my savior forgives the depths of my own, which are equally as bad and, and equally as damaging. And our faith saves us. It isn't uh, what we believe or how we believe or the strength of our our faith, but what our faith is in, in Christ. And this person who is sitting there in the, the home of Simon the Pharisee, who announces this wonderful forgiveness, who reminds us of that we have been forgiven much by the grace and compassion of God, and who gives us something that we don't deserve, which is peace with God, a, a restored relationship and uh, who also gives us to this more than once. You know, God doesn't say, I said that already. I said that already. Uh, I said that already. I said that already. You know, <laughs> come on, come on, come on, Will. <laughs> yeah, <know>? no kidding. <laughs> I've said Great patience. Long yeah, suffering, I do believe, is the word. <laughs> uh, and, uh, yeah, Christ comes every time the Lord's Supper is there and the words of institution are spoken faithfully according to the, the words of God, uh, the words of scripture. There he is again. There he is again. There he is again. He's, he says, whenever you eat and drink this, he doesn't say, I, I can only do it a mo- once a month, guys. I can only do it once yeah. a month. I can only do it twice a month. That's it. I'm sorry. Lucky. I just can't. I don't have it in me to do it anymore. Jesus you're says, asking too much. you're asking too much of me. Whenever, whenever he says, whenever you want, uh, there I am. Uh, eat, drink whenever and in remembrance of me. So it is a, a wonderful promise of our Lord and Savior to remind us the, who are, like the apostle Paul would say, we're the least of, 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 we're the worst of sinners. Um, but we are forgiven because of the least Jesus who, who made himself the least, yeah. uh, put himself on the cross for us. Yes, even us. Uh, yes, even you. He put himself on the cross to take on all of your sins, even the disgusting ones, uh, especially the disgusting ones, all of them on himself on the cross for you forever. So, so, you know, talking about this before, cause I, I want to take a minute and I want to focus in on his comment about your faith um, has saved you. And I want to, I want to talk about that. But before we do that, I want to ask a question to, to our listeners and, and hopefully they'll participate in this. Um, why do you think the people around this occurrence responded the way they did? So they responded um, um, with, with when he forgave those reclining had had said, who is this who even forgives sins? Um, and and so I guess my my question to those gathering is, why do you think they responded that way? What what? Why was it scandalous, right? That that they responded that way? We'll give you a couple of minutes or so to to maybe throw up an answer if uh, you have an answer that you'd like to throw up. Now we see all of the comments from all the sources. So this is on Facebook, also on YouTube. Um, and it is a audio podcast as well. And, uh, we'll, res- we'll read off the responses wherever it comes from, whether it comes from YouTube or, or yeah, Facebook. Yeah. And if you're, and if you are listening to this after the fact, um, you know, maybe it's a good time to have a conversation with who you're listening to, yeah. uh, listening with it. Why did the people respond as they did? This is kind of the second half of this parable, isn't it? We, we've talked about the nuts and bolts of it, but now, it's why are they responding? Why do we respond the way that we do? Yeah, this is the take home. So, so you, you, so we had the law. The law was, um, 
who do you think, <laughs> right? Um, loved more doesn't seem because you use the word love it might seem like oh that should be grace it's not it's law the the law is you how not have to think this through and apply it to yourself um the the gospel of course is they couldn't pay it didn't matter who who was there uh how much they owed great or small they couldn't pay so they were forgiven um and, and then we have the application right so the parable is now applied to this scandalous woman who is horrible <laughs> by all stretches of of the imagination within the world um because of the things that she does the secrets that she holds and 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 whatever else but all those things are in the past tense aren't they they're in the past tense and and she's forgiven that's that's the take home that's the application but now we have the 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 result right um so um <clears throat> yeah one of our listeners is just catching up i think you should be able to see it in the comments uh luke 7 36 to 50 But as we, we get some of the answers in, um, maybe we, you know, it, it is something to consider how we are going to respond because, because I think this is, this is where you, you were kind of leading us to as well. Um, when we hear this declaration of forgiveness, large or small, how do we respond and why? Right. Um, and, and so that's kind of where we're, we're going as we wait a final few minutes here. You have anything else you want to add about, about where we're at and how we got here? Got some good stuff. There is some good stuff. Um, I maybe, maybe it's just time for us. We've, we've had an opportunity for folks to think about this, but we'll just answer our own question. Who is this who even forgives sins? It's the same comment that a lot of people who come to Lutheranism say when a pastor is up there and he says, in the place and by the stead or by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins. People say, where does pastor get off on saying this? Where does he get that authority? What right does he have to do that? It's the same question these people were asking of Jesus. What right does Jesus have to say your sins are forgiven? Well, and, and the fact of the matter is, is Jesus is God. <laughs> I, it, it seems like oversimplifying, right? It, and it really does seem like it oversimplifies the... Um, conversation that he is claiming for himself the right that only God has. Um, and I think this is the, this is the scandalous nature of their response. They hear what he's doing and the, the scandalous nature is only God can forgive sins. So he must be claiming himself God. Um, in, in when it comes and is pronounced by the pastor, um, and I really loved that terminology. It used to be in the older liturgies, right? In the stead of Christ. Um, coming back to what does God say that, that it, that those we forgive it is as if Christ himself, right? Was, for, has forgiven them. Um, that, that, that we are as Christians wearing the robe of Christ through our lips. The God man is doing the same work. On our behalf. Um, and, and I think there is something profound about that. Um, I, I'm, and it is a, yeah. something profound that the church has now that Jesus tells his disciples after his, uh, um, 
uh, resurrection. This is yours. Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone their sins, they are forgiven. Here, here you have church. You have this wonderful gift of speaking Christ and the authority of having the authority of God Himself to your um, brothers and sisters who need this reassurance. As much as you need that reassurance that your sins have been forgiven, so also does your neighbor need that reassurance that their sins have been forgiven. So announce that. Say that. Say and, and Pastor. I'm sure uh, Pastor Harley and myself have said this more than once. When kids say they're sorry, when you're in your family home, say you're forgiven. Christ forgives you. This is bring that, bring those words into the the language of your home, so that it isn't just about people saying they're sorry, which is a big enough. That, I mean, that's a huge task to lead people to say there's you know to, you know to to bring people to repentance. But even more so, as Christians, we should be. We should be following through with that and be saying these wonderful words, God forgives you, Christ forgives you. I don't hold this against you any longer. Yeah. And and I think just to 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 kind of top off some of that idea of forgiveness is if if I'm gonna pronounce Christ is forgiving you, I forgive you too. Yeah. You know, that um <laughs> Jesus can get away with just saying your sins are forgiven. <laughs> Because there's no difference between him, God, and, and him. Uh, he is he is the God man. Um, on our side, um, if we are going to be willing and should be willing to offer the forgiveness of Christ, if if my Lord forgives them, so should I. Um, and I am not going to hold it accountable. And, and that's a hard thing when you talk when you talk about forgiveness. Yes, it is a very hard thing. Um, which leads me to my other point about uh, and, and about. The people that come into the pews on Sunday mornings, this is part of that take home. Uh, what if somebody comes to your, into your church? Maybe it's wearing questionable clothing. Uh, maybe you know their past. Maybe you've seen them on Friday night and Saturday night and you go, what right do they have to be here in God's church? And the, I was talking with Will in the pre pre show. You know, it's like, I think it's time for us to be embarrassed by the people who come to our church. So that because it's all about Christ and, and not I misheard about how- him. I misheard him. I thought he said it is time for us to embarrass <laughs> the people who come to church. And I was all for it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's time for us to, to think about oh, this person is there, but they're here to, to hear about Christ. So I'm glad they're here. It the church isn't about uh optics. It isn't about how things look to the world. It is about Christ for the world. And so the people that are coming into our worships and the people that we can invite, we should, we should be thinking about this on Sunday morning. It's not about appearances. It's not about optics. It's about Christ yeah. for you, for sinners. Yes. Even people who are struggling with sin in a very recent. Well, and, and case. we've heard this before, right? We've, we've heard this before. I'm not the first person to come and put this illustration out there. Um, but, but they say church is a triage. Right. It is for people who are going to war, for people who are battling sin, for people who are, are in the trenches and they're, they're getting damaged and beat up. And, and so they come into church and they receive from the great healer what they need for the bomb, uh, to go out and, and continue that battle. Um, one of the things, and, and this is from, um, uh, a man now, uh, confirmed in faith as he was brought to heaven. Um, his name was Bob Anderson from uh, the congregation I served before. And, and Bob had many and varied gifts. And some of them collided with me in ways that, that left us not in always the, the greatest of agreement, but others, um, we certainly did. And I remember, I remember, um, one of the things that he had said to me, uh, numerous times, um, but that he had said, 
Pastor, the greatest part of the service is the confession and absolution, which when I first heard it, I took, I think deep down a little offense to that because I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't prepare for, <laughs> for the, the confession, confession and absolution. I do prepare I for the sermon. <laughs> I sweat over that sermon. I agonize over that sermon. I'm, yeah. I'm anxious about that sermon. How is this going to go out? How are people going to receive this? Yep. And you're saying the most important part is the confession and absolution. Yeah. Yep. And he said, he said the most important, most important part was the confession and absolution because, um, he came and all those gathered himself included recognized their need and and that I'm here to hear one thing. And that is that my sins are forgiven and, and that's important. Um, and, and it's, it's life changing because it leads to a life of love. It Uh, does. And you saw that with the woman. Yeah. You, You see her response. Um, I, nothing was too low for her to do to say thank you to her Lord. Um, oh, now, that's, that's awesome. not, I'm not, I'm not saying. <laughs> <laughs> he is not taking off his shoes on Sunday and say, come on up here, guys. That's not the children's sermon for Sunday. No. Kids come over here. No. no, but I, but I think it is something to be said though, that, that when the Lord sends you out and the Lord asks something of you to, to do something within the church or to do something within your society for the, for the response of the gospel, um, Nothing is too low because it is still far higher and more beautiful than the greatest of activities that someone with all the wealth and confidence in their self would bring. Um, that's awesome, right? That, 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 that is that the least of these things is, is more profound than the meal that this Pharisee had given. And I bet you it had really good food. I, I guarantee you it had good food. I bet you it was rich food. I bet you they had the best of wines. But there weren't, a, there wasn't any bacon there though. So, and there was apparently no oil for washing <laughs> and water. But, but I'm anyway. saying, but, but I mean, if you think about it, I mean, what a, what a shock that he acknowledges the beauty of something so demeaning because it was out of love for a heart that was forgiven. And, and that was greater than the show and the facade of the greatest meal that he could have had that day. I mean, that, that, I, to me, that, that says more than, than anything else. So, so you, you, you could be the greatest supporter of the church, um, and not understand what the church is doing. And, and then you could be the person who doesn't have a dime, but man, when, when the church needs help, you are there. Um, and you are behind the scenes moving and grooving and doing the things that, that only you can do because God has placed it upon your heart. And I will take a thousand of you over the person who puts a big fat check in the, in the offering plate. Um, not that we don't need things in the offering plate either, <laughs> but, 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 but it, it's, yeah. it's just, yeah. We're just starting a new unit, and I'm teaching congregational contemporary congregational concerns at Manitowoc Lutheran High School, and we're starting a topic of uh, stewardship and how this is the act of our our whole life is one of stewardship. So we can't just compartmentalize and say, well, if I'm giving of my time, I don't have to give of my money, or if I'm giving of my money, I don't have to give of my time. Which leads, which emphasizes your point. There's no no task too low in our uh, service to the Lord. And the one, the last point that I made, which is a point I wanted to bring up for our listeners as well, is that you can give without love, but yes. love always gives. So this is the, the concept of Christian love 
has its source in God. God isn't this um, being that uh, he, the concept of love isn't outside of God and where God says, well, I'm going to be kind of like that. God is love. He is the personification of love. There is no uh, idealistic concept of love somewhere else. He is true, true love, and his true love for us is unselfish and giving and generous and compassionate. And we, because of Christ, you and I are a reflection of that love. So as we give to our Lord, it does in what whatever way, in our time, our talents, our, our gifts, our abilities, um, our service to our neighbor, our service to our church, there, it, it comes from a heart of love, a heart that is forgiven um, in Christ. Yeah. So who is this that can forgive sins? It is God who can forgive sins. And he changes the heart. And, and here's here, here it brings up in the last couple of minutes the last phrase that Jesus said, because he then kind of forgets, right? He, he, he forgets the people around him, and he focuses back on this woman, and, and he says um, – he says to the woman, this is verse 50, right? Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Um, and I think this is sometimes in our misunderstanding, we race to this part of the verse and we say, ha ha, she did something, right? After everything that we've heard that her sins had been forgiven, that her sins are forgiven right now, um, we, we then say, well, look, it was her faith. She believed that's what she contributed and, and that's what, what now has, has saved her. That's what now, um, has set her free. And, uh, um, I, I think at the very end, you know, we need, we need to talk about a proper understanding of faith. I thought I already did. Well, I mean, you didn't use the good illustrations. <laughs> you didn't use my illustrations, Dave. <laughs> so. <laughs> Faith is this conduit, right? Yeah. Uh, but, but I mean, it, it, faith is the conduit. It, it receives. It, it, it does not do anything but receive. Um, organ lepticon in, in the beautiful confessional language in Latin. Um, it's the receiving organ, right? Um, one of the, one of the other ways is, you know, the, the water is life giving to the, to the flower, but how does it get to the flower? Through the hose. Right, the 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 hose did not provide the didn't give the life. The water gave the life, but it was the conduit, but that was used to bring that water. Um, and so, what does Jesus do? He acknowledges he acknowledges the spirit worked faith that has brought this comfort. I think that's beautiful. It is beautiful. It's, it's good a, stuff. It's always the object of her faith that saves her, not necessarily the her act of believing, yeah. which is the. That's the technical way of saying it. <laughs> yeah. So as we wrap up, go in peace. Go in peace. But you got something more to say. I didn't have Share anything Jesus. more. Jesus. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there you go. It, it, it really is. Go in peace. And it's not a piece of the world. It's not a piece of I've done. It's not a piece of, of um, how much love I have given. It's a piece of Christ that is produced in me. 